Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. So today we have Dr. Patrice Berry, who I became acquainted with via social media, yay. And she is one of the most talented, intelligent uh, Black women that I follow on both Instagram and TikTok. Always enjoy your content. Anyway, I'm excited for my listeners to get to know you. And Dr. Barry, if you would please introduce yourself. Thank you so much. And my best friend nicknames me Google. And so please know. So I do not always have the answer because the questions I answer, I have researched it first. Please know. (laughs) And so like y'all see the edited version. That's that's one of my big things. Mm -hmm. I think people should should be honest about Mm -hmm. how they show up online because I do not always have, have the answer. And with social media, I delete the questions I don't like. So, Um, but um, I think, thank you for having me here first off. And I am a licensed psychologist with over 15 years of experience. Um, I've worked in community mental health, psychiatric hospitals, uh, long-term residential, and um, a lot of my work was um, with a school-based therapy program. Um, I was the director of, of that program um, and then launched my, my, uh, my private practice back in 2020. And so thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Um, and we'll talk more about uh, TikTok, but before we get into that, uh, I wanted to talk to you because you are a a black psychologist. And so uh, what I am finding just in my field as, you know, being a mental health therapist and everything is that we still unfortunately have this stigma. We, they, our folks, they, they still, we, <laughs> the collective, we're still dealing with this thing of having um, this stigma against mental health. Um, what do you feel like, you know, is needed for us to continue to destigmatize or or even you know what are your thoughts on why that stigma even still exists and i understand so i am almost 40 years old and back when i was younger my mom wouldn't have gotten me diagnosed because there was so much stigma around things and i think especially within the black community and then also there was a lot of misdiagnosis Um, Psychology really didn't acknowledge the role of generational trauma, specifically for um, African-Americans and um, our issues could be minimized and our kids in the wrong hands could end up with the wrong diagnosis. And so I understand it. So I come from a place of validating that. And then to move forward, there are some things mama ain't, ain't going to fix uh, your best friend. She no like, and, um, your church, uh, I, I think a, a part of spirituality being connected with people, I, um, for clients that are open to that, that want that, but then 
but I have, I've had so many people come into my office feeling ashamed because they thought they hadn't prayed hard enough, or they felt somehow defective or broken, or they felt like they had done something wrong that they couldn't will themselves out of clinical depression, that they couldn't just be positive, that they couldn't just not worry. And so I think we just have to look at mental health as health. That it's just like, hey, if you have diabetes, you have to check your sugar. You have to go to your doctor that that, you know, getting labs and doing all those things that is a part of your care. And for and for a lot of people, especially in the middle of a global pandemic, checking in with a therapist is a part of self-care. And I wish more people saw it that way. I want to go back to something you just said, because you said getting to the point to where we think of mental health as just health. I feel like this is at the point where I feel like you should copyright that. Um, (laughs) Bring out some merch because that's the important part. It's not this thing that we need to, to, to keep other, right? It's just health and taking care of our health overall includes our mental health. And that's, and that's not my original idea. I'm pretty sure I've heard it on, on TikTok and, and some other places, but it is something that I'm so passionate about. And because I think a lot of times nobody would say, if I say I'm going to my primary care doctor, nobody's going to be like, oh, what's, what's wrong with you? But if you say you're going to see a therapist, people are like, why you right. Or I think people have questions. And then we also have to break the stigma because there are people that still believe that black people don't get depressed, yeah. that, that, that depression is, is something that, you know, we're, we're somehow immune from and no, we are finding out tragically that no, it, it, it affects us often more often we have higher rates. I was looking, I was researching black mental health and only one in three people that black people that need mental health treatment actually seek it. That uh, our, our community, we, we don't always seek it from a licensed provider. I knew that the stigma still existed, but to, to attach numbers to it, the one in three, we've got a long way to go. I think that, that we're getting closer because of the years of, of it not being for us. And then you even said, you know, people still believing that we don't get depressed. We don't have panic attacks. We're impacted just like everybody else and more so because we're also dealing with racialized trauma and ancestral trauma and stuff. And in terms of, of that, I guess destigmatizing it is continuing to have these conversations and maybe even being willing to have, some people will call it a hard conversation within your family with, you know, because it's still that taboo is being who's willing, who's going to have the conversation that, that we really need to start naming a thing, a thing. And during, during COVID, my, my family started doing like a weekly call. I don't remember who was the first to mention that they had done therapy, but more people in my family mentioned that they had done therapy than like we even, so multiple people like, oh yeah, I, yeah, therapy, my therapist told me I need to not try to control so much. I need to let some stuff go so that I can experience happiness and I can experience joy. And, um, and really how I ended up in therapy was a good friend looked at me and was like, girl, you need therapy. And, and I did, and I'm so grateful and thankful because I think we don't talk enough about the fact that you have to find the right person. You have to connect 
with your therapist, because I think often people, if they have, if they have a bad experience and it's really hard to try again after having a bad experience, but that you didn't do something wrong. If it, if it just didn't click, if it wasn't the right person. That is so important. And you mentioned, you know, working with children also, right? Because a lot of kids, I think, and a lot of people, because I think we have to talk about what therapy really is, that that therapy isn't laying on some couch and somebody giving you advice and solving all your problems and somehow healing you that no, you do the work. I don't like, I bring the information about psychology, but, but you know, you, I'm not, I'm not going to somehow uncover something that you never knew, or like, we might, you might, you might find it. We might come to something, but it's not this, it's not, it's not how it looks on TV sometimes. It's not, it's not. And I I had somebody call me and they, they're like, what kind of therapist are you? (laughs) Okay, well, after we talk about like, these are my credentials, and and then these, these are the kinds of people that come and see me. You know, I, I also mentioned uh, the clients that I work with are people who kind of know why they're in therapy. Why are you coming here? And are willing to do the work. That's the, because we're not here to a lot of people think that, oh, no, I'm going to come and bring you a problem. And then you're going to help me solve it. You're going to or solve it for me. You're going to give me the answer. That's not therapy. I think it takes a lot of courage to, to decide to, to, to talk to somebody that you don't know about, you know, all your issues or whatever the things are that, that are going on. And then if that, if that relationship isn't the best, it takes a lot of courage to also find somebody new. So uh, shout out to anybody that's currently going through that and you're trying to find a therapist or you've had some bad experiences. It can sour things, um, unfortunately, but you got to also remember that we're human. I mean, I don't know. Any, anything else to add on that, uh, Dr. Barry? I think also knowing that you get to hire this person. You are, you have some power in this and you can ask them questions because often, um, and it's such a hard process. It's extremely hard to find someone, especially if you're trying to stay within your insurance network. Um, it can be really, really hard. Um, to, to find someone. And my own personal thing is if I'm not going in specifically to address racial trauma, that I might not have to have a therapist that looks exactly like me, that I might be able um, to expand my search a little bit. But I do want to ask them, how do you treat racial? Like, I do want to know, like, I don't want to work with someone that doesn't, you know, that that's not um, anti-racist, that's not working on addressing their, 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 their biases. Um, but sometimes expanding the search a little can, can, um, can help you find the right person. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So I want to also talk about your book. Now, when I read uh, Turning Crisis into Clarity, it really, you know, I, I sat down and I really thought about it and I said, this is really a book that I think if you've ever seen the, um, oh, what are they called? They're handbooks that are in a lot of public health offices, uh, clinics, hospitals. And it's like, what to do when, if you have this thing, this is what you do. And they have every ailment known to, you know, to man almost. I felt like this is a book that should be paired with that. That goes, this is because it's a part of your overall health. 
And I felt like this should be in every public health office. This should be in um, in all the schools, right? In whether that's elementary, high school, college, as a, you know, these are some common things that we go through. Um, and it's not even just restricted to, to people because you've also got a session with section which warmed my heart for the helpers. And I was need, like, you put need, everything in there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We need, we need help. We need, yeah. we need help. Yeah. You put everything in there. And I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. I mean, you talk about, we've been in this freaking pandemic for two years. How did you know when you wrote this book that, oh, we're still going to be in this freaking pandemic. I mean, we, you know, I may as well add that in there. So I didn't, I, I, I didn't know the book came out in June of 2021 and it was looking like summer might've been a little bit better. Vaccination numbers were, were going up. I honestly didn't, but I knew another crisis, another storm. So the, the book was written and it was launched out of the pandemic. Um, so, and, and a part of it is, is my own journey because I, I lost my job. I walked away and that often we see this obstacle, we see this thing that comes and depending on how we approach it, because sometimes we give the obstacle more power than it actually has, that I have to give it the power to defeat me. But if I look at what I can control, because a lot with COVID is about can't do this and you can't do this and we're not doing this and we're not doing this. Okay. Well, what, what can I do? What am I comfortable with doing? And let me not compare what I'm doing to what someone else is doing. How did you decide which topics to cover in your book? Um, I am a spiritual person. And so I think it was a bit of a spiritual journey for, for, for me as well. Um, so the book came out of a conversation with, with my mom, we were driving and she said, you know, in the midst of crisis, there's chaos. And I said, or there can be clarity. And it was like, whoa, because sometimes you get a thought, you say something and you realize, oh, that's that's something there. And um, starting in January of 2020, I had started a YouTube channel and had started creating content. And there are certain things that are near and dear to, to, to my heart. And so when I, when I thought about coming out of a crisis, it's like, okay, what do you need to do first? You first need to find some peace. You need to find some safety. And then what's next? And then that's kind of how, how, how I went through it. And um, it's broken into two different parts where it's like, hey, if you're just surviving, if, if you're just going to, if we're just going to get through it here. Here's some steps and tools to just get through it. And then if you're in a place to thrive, if you're in a place to, because of this thing, because thriving says, because of what I went through, I'm, I'm no longer the same. Like I'm not going back to who I was. I can't, I can't get March, 2020 me, me back because I'm, I'm very, very different. But what, but but who I am now is I realize there are a lot of things that I'm not going to get done. I'm not. And for my own peace, for my own mental health, sometimes the dishes aren't going to get washed. Sometimes I might not call that friend back immediately. Like sometimes it's okay for me to take care of me because I can't give what I don't have because that's how people burn out. 
Absolutely. But what I love, and I've recommended your book to a lot of my clients, is that anybody, when I'm thinking of, of the age range that that of the people that I see, this is a book that I would recommend for anybody, especially people like, you know, well, I, I don't know what to do about this, or I don't know what to do. They they like to get kind of like free therapy. Well, this isn't free, but she's going to tell you a lot of things that we repeat over and over and over in therapy. Yes. So get this. And if you actually apply it, that's that whole doing the work. You're in therapy, but this helps out with that. So I love, love, love um, this book so much. And I just want you to, wanted you to kind of know that, you know, you, you've got a really awesome TikTok community and, and Instagram community. Um, what kind of gave you the courage to step out there in that way and start, you know, interacting with your followers and, and making the, you know, being really consistent about making the videos, what, what kind of sparked that interest and has even kept you going? So if I wasn't a psychologist, I would probably be a cruise ship entertainment director. Like, okay. <laughs> so I, I like to dance. Mm-hmm. I like to entertain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so TikTok gives me a creative expression. Um, And so I first started YouTube and Instagram. Those were the first two things that that I started. And those grew very slowly. TikTok grew faster than I ever expected. Then I, um, early on when I had less than I think 5,000 followers, because I have a four-year-old and I had a video of them up. And I took it down. I removed all of the public pictures of them because if somebody gets mad about something, like just to protect my family and safety and things. But um, so I have always been someone that's okay putting myself out there. Um, And then being able to get this information. So I turn away because I am fully booked and I stay fully booked with a wait list. I turn away three to 10 people every week. And it is, and people, these people need help. And so um, providing this free, cause it's, it's, I'm in the creator fund, but it's like, it's pennies a day. Um, I, the, the, the things that, that I put out there, it's a way to, for me to give back to the community. Um, and it has, and it ended up opening some doors that I wasn't expecting, but, um, but just being able to, to put things out there. And, um, and when I started, I was like, okay, sure. When I launched the book, I'll be able to, you know, promote the book to this community, but that wasn't at the front. The front of my mind was, I like to educate. I like to teach the job that I left back during, at the beginning of the pandemic, I used to train other counselors. I used to train other staff. And now I'm an individual provider where I don't get to engage and interact with, with clinicians the way that, that I used to. And so I have found a community of, of clinicians, specifically BIPOC clinicians that I, I didn't have. And I learned so much on TikTok that I, I send these videos to my clients and um, I get so much benefit just from being a consumer that I really like giving back to that community. I think that what you create, I mean, it's literally amazing because people, they, they're responding. They've always got questions. Dr. Barry, I do not envy you, but, but you, you bring it every time. 
So every creator does it different. So there are creators that at the beginning of the month, they plan their content for the month. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of the day, I don't know what I'm going to, and I, 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 um, and I like it that way. Um, It would feel like a chore. It would feel like work to me if I was sitting down with a calendar and, Mm -hmm. you know, making 20 videos, you know, batching 20 videos in, in one day that, that doesn't work for me. So I really like answering questions in a general way because I can't give people specific advice, but I do like being able to be responsive because I've had so many people say, oh my gosh, you actually responded. <laughs> like you actually commented. And, um, and I only engage with people that are being positive and productive. I just, I don't mm. have the energy to engage with people that are trolling, that are, um, not even following me and making little snarky comments. Those, those just get deleted. I love the boundaries that you have in place for that. And, and that's so good. Even, you know, if you're a creator for your mental health is knowing that you don't have to take in everything. You don't have to respond to everything. You don't have to allow everything. My page, my content, because what that's can it. happen with, with allowing everything is somebody makes this little snarky comment and then other people that aren't sure how they feel about the video, they see this comment and then, and then it just builds. And so, and some people are okay with that. Some people make controversial content on purpose because it does get lots of engagement. That's just not good for my, for my mental health. Like if I say something controversial, I'm not planning to argue about it. It is, I said what I said. If you'd like clarification, I can clarify it. You think differently, delete and go about your day. I feel like we need a whole TikTok just to talk about that so I can share it. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is you had this TikTok that was like seven things you wish people knew before they started therapy. Uh, And I'm going to link that that specific video um, in the show notes, but could you talk a little bit more about that and even share what, you feel comfortable sharing, you know, here for people that are listening on what they should know before starting therapy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I was asked to do that video. Um, did I have on a jean jacket? I think so. And that video is going to be used potentially in this documentary for teen mental health. And so um, I was, I was asked to do it. Um, and because I think people think people go to therapy because they're crazy. That, that C word that you and I don't use. Mm-hmm. And I actually picked up like for the video, I picked up the DSM and said, you can be a lot of things, but nobody's crazy is not something that is within my you know professional language. Mm-hmm. And um, also acknowledging that, hey, um, it might not be the right fit. Um, And that's something that I learned the hard way. Uh, My first therapist was recommended by a black professor at my school that I really admired. And then this person just wasn't right for me. And I thought like, cause I was a bit of a people pleaser and it was like, well, should it maybe, maybe just therapy isn't for me. And it wasn't therapy. It was just, I didn't connect with this individual. And, um, and I'm glad that I eventually found someone that that was the right fit. And so, and then, and then lastly, just that 
um, that they get to ask some of those questions that you are finding the right person. A part of that process might be asking, asking some questions because it can really feel like a waste of time if you meet with someone. But really, if we had just done a 10, 15 minute conversation, you would have realized that this person wasn't, wasn't the right fit. Absolutely. And that's, that's a good point. But asking those questions, people ask me, are you a born again Christian? Are you a Christian therapist? Or what do you believe about women's rights? What do you believe about abortion? What do you believe about, you know, the LGBTQ plus community? If you follow me in enough places, or you'll know exactly. So asking, you can ask us those questions and we can decide how we want to answer or, or if we want to answer. But yeah, go ahead, Dr. Barry. And if the person doesn't answer them, um, mm-hmm. Leslie Sidey over on TikTok she talked about the fact that sometimes psychodynamic therapists, therapists that believe the therapist should be neutral, there's some there's some therapists where their clinical style is that they don't share themselves. They would not answer those right. questions. Mm-hmm. And if and if that was important. So as a black as a black person, as a black female, it's important to me, you know, what do you think about Black Lives Matter. So what do you think about, you know, racial trauma? That's Mm -hmm. something that's, and if you're not willing, if you're not comfortable answering that, eh, then I'm not comfortable working with you. And that, because also if the therapist looks like you, that doesn't mean that they're going to be the right fit. That part. Mm -hmm. Because just because the person is also another maybe black female doesn't mean that they, cause psychology, the way that it's taught. And I'm so glad that psychology has admitted recently some of their, like that, that we need to address some of the racism and some of the centering whiteness that I was trained like that. That's what was trained. Um, and if therapists haven't done that work to kind of undo some of those things, they will focus on just CBT or just like one, one style that is, that might not work with a diverse population. That's so true. That is so true. Um, and I love what you said, you know, there, there is a clinical style that's, that's out there, you know, that's been around and, and it's what I was trained into that, that you, you, you're supposed to be impartial, uh, and, and you don't share no matter what the client is presenting with, you remain neutral, you know? And, and goal oriented. And that's not how I practice. <laughs> same, same. And, and so I have strong opinions about black people and racism and patriarchy and all those things. And you're going to hear it. And, and so, and, and there have been times when clinically I've had to decide, is it, is this for the client? Yeah. So I had a client mention kind of offhanded, like the reason why they were coming to me wasn't, but they kind of just mentioned, like they, they made a little racist statement but it wasn't, it, that wasn't part of their treatment plan. Um, they never made any other statement like that. It wasn't something that had to be addressed. I think it was our first or second session. And um, so I just made a mental note, like, Hey, I might have to watch out for this. Um, but there, um, there are also times when, okay, am I going to be able to address this professionally? Oh, nope. I'm not in a place to address this professionally because <laughs> Patrice, yeah. Patrice can clap back. But Dr. Barry, Dr. Barry is supposed to do it in like a sweet Southern way. That's it. So Dr. Barry claps back, but she does it professionally. Yeah. And so um, I think, I think being able to know that like, Hey, it, it, it is okay to do those things because 
being non-partial and being non-judgmental are two very different things because I don't hold judgment, but I do have some thoughts and my, my own things on this. I just don't let that get in the way of treatment. And if I can't do that, then I have to get supervision or I have to refer the person to, to someone else. That's it. That's it. That's what you got to do. Now for me, as soon as the racist thing, I'm like, that was really racist. <laughs> that was really racist. So <laughs> two and- different styles. It's okay. Like, you know, so, but I love this conversation on just, you know, how do we navigate this? And when you're black, you, Hey, here's another thing you have to think about. How do I respond with to this professionally? You know, what, what parts are showing up for me in, in this situation? We have to think about that in our professional roles. And so that's just kind of what comes with it. So this next question is, I always tell, tell my guests that this is really when I am kind of calling in my Oprah energy and just, you know, just, I don't know, honoring her uh, and the way that she interviews. And so the next question for, for you is, what do you know for sure about clarity? To me, clarity is that peace, direction, and joy. So how can I find my peace, my direction or purpose, and then my joy? Because direction doesn't, and I think we have to take that judgment piece out of it and learn how to fail. Be okay with it because things aren't always going to work out. I launched my, my practice and I didn't know what was going to happen. It could have tanked and I still would have been able to get back up and have other decisions, done other things. And um, thankfully it, it, it went well, um, but everything will not go the way that we want it to. And I think we have to get better at accepting that and then, and then figuring how to move through it, grieving it and moving through it. Uh, that getting better with, with grieving it. I think that's, that's really important. We don't talk enough about the various types of grief, you know? And so, you know, when it comes to getting clarity from chaos, um, anything else to add on how people even, how do they get, how do they get that, that clarity? Just any, even if it's one small thing, you know, how do people get clarity if they're going through chaos? We first have to acknowledge that we're in a storm. Step one, can we not, the world's on fire and we're like, oh, everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. No, I, because I can acknowledge where I am and still say where I want to go and still, so it's not, it's not one or the other. It's not toxic positivity or like doom and gloom. Like that, that's not those, there's something in the middle that acknowledges, hey, this is hard. And I need some help. I need to be vulnerable and ask for help. I need to seek out, maybe connect with people because often in the midst of crisis, we often want to draw away all by ourselves. And I think within community, there can be, if I have a healthy community, I can find some, some, some safety. I can find some, some like-minded people. So I love connecting with other professionals that do content on TikTok because you and I know there are therapists that think that this is unprofessional 
And that what I do, there are people that that have thoughts and opinions Mm -hmm. and nothing is unethical because our boards are really behind with what's Mm -hmm. with technology. But to me, I think there's so much out there. And so connecting with other like-minded clinicians like that, that gave me so much clarity because so that's what encourages me to create to create content. When I see your content, when I see like other people in my field, when I see things they're making, it, it sparks ideas. It sparks like, oh, you know, I, I can do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and I think it's also having a growth mindset versus a rigid or fixed mindset. Because when you're, when you're in a storm, when you're in a crisis, we can get stuck. I've always been the type of person that, um, and sometimes your, your personality does, does play into it, but when things go wrong, I'm just naturally a problem solver. I'm like, Hey, how are we going to get through it? Some people shut down in a crisis and we can say, okay, we're going to shut down for now. And then how are we going to move forward? And, um, and how can we take a step back to see, okay, so, okay, this didn't work out, but what can I do? That remaining open. And I heard this from, who did I hear this from? I don't, it's not coming to me right now, but I heard somebody say, you're, you're not a tree. So, so you're not stuck. And I often will tell my clients, you're not a tree. I think it was my leak teal. And, and I'm, I'm like, you're, you know, so now I tell my clients like, you're not, you're not a tree. And, and so you do have options. And so what, what would it look like for us to really think outside of current present day circumstances and, and what's actually there, you know? And so, and sometimes that even helps me to remember, I'm not as stuck as I think I am. Like, I don't think that you can, you can have clarity without that willingness to be more open-minded um, and to come from a, uh, it wasn't a scarcity perspective. It was a, what did you call it? Is that a scarcity, it, mm-hmm. but it's being more flexible growth. More minded. flexible. Yeah, exactly. So for anybody that does not already follow you, is not aware of where to get your book, can you share where can they buy a copy of your book and how can they follow you or find you online? Yes. And so the book is available on Amazon, Turning Crisis into Clarity, How to Survive or Thrive in the Midst of Uncertainty. And then you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Dr. Patrice Berry. So at Dr. Patrice Berry across platforms. Thank you so much, Dr. Berry, for um, just spending some time with me today. And I look forward to sharing all things, you know, about your book and all, because I really do believe that this is like, if you've got a mental health or a health toolkit, this book belongs in it. So um, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.